in one way at least, uh, this morning's scripture and the sermon are about what the church might be. And I mean by church, both sort of the grand concept of the church on a, on a huge scale, but also in terms of this little congregation of ours. So as I was pondering this idea this week, I realized that I have a dream for this, this congregation, Queen Anne Presbyterian, that I don't talk about very much. And that dream is that these pews would be full every Sunday on a regular basis. Now, I don't generally talk about it that much for a couple of very particular reasons. Uh, One reason is that I don't want to worry anybody, especially introverts like myself, that I'm going to start a program and ask you all to go knock on neighbors' doors and ask if you can come in and talk to them about where they're going to spend eternity. Um, The other reason that I don't generally talk about this is because, uh, honestly, I, I... am uh, fearful at times if my desire is wrapped up more in my pride and ego um, than in hopefully a much more positive reason for desiring these pews to be full. But I do honestly believe that the main reason that I would love to see these pews full every Sunday is because it would mean that more people could share in this incredible community that I've been fortunate enough to be a part of. And it would mean that more people would have the opportunity to experience the beauty and the power of God. We all know that there are people around us who are literally dying to be a part of a loving community to be connected to God, to know God's grace and God's glory in their own lives. And those are the things that I have found here, and I would love if more people were able to find those things as well. So in this morning's scripture, Paul has exciting things to say about the possibilities for the church in Ephesus, to whom he was writing, about what it might be. But the point is not that the people in, the, in Ephesus and in that region will sing the praises of that church. Paul encourages the church, and, and includes us, to pray with imagination for what the church might be in order that all people might experience God's power and God's grace and give glory to God. In these verses, Paul reveals that it is not only acceptable to ask God for good things for the church, but that we probably aren't asking nearly as much as God wants to give us. You'll notice that when he comes to sort of the, this closing moment of the first half of this letter. He says now to God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or even imagine. That is a, a tremendous 
gift that, that, God, that Paul is giving us. In fact, he's so excited about the possibilities of what the church might be that he can't find the right words to express himself, what he wants to say. So he actually makes up his own word. Um, he does this in other parts of other letters as well. But that word immeasurably, the, uh, the NIV translates immeasurably now to God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Um, one commentator uh, notes that this is uh, one of Paul's super superlatives. Um, Paul makes up these words because he, he can't say enough with words that are already in use in, in language. Uh, so he makes up his own about how amazing God is and more than we can ever think. Another commentator notes that Paul is trying to help us understand that God is able to make happen things super abundantly beyond the utmost requests that we can make in prayer, nay, beyond all that can suggest itself to our minds in their highest ventures. That's the, what Paul is trying to get across to us. And I will admit that these words from Paul and their expansion from these commentators have convicted this, me this week that I haven't been bold enough in my prayers for this congregation, that I haven't uh, thought large enough. I've thought too small. I love what Tom Wright says to people like me. He writes, if it's the true God we have been worshiping, we should be filled with a sense of new possibilities, of new tasks, and new energy to accomplish them. Think of what God might do in you and through you, you as a community, you as an individual. Now, reflect on the fact that God is perfectly capable of doubling that, of tripling that, going so far beyond that that you would look back at this present moment and wonder, how could you have been so short-sighted? That is what God is able to do in and through the church, and what God wants to do. <clears throat> Paul then reminds the followers of Jesus in Ephesus, and thereby reminds us, why these incredible outcomes are possible. And he says, now to God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or even imagine, according to God's power at work, within us. That's where this possibility comes from. Earlier in the letter, in chapter one, in Paul's opening prayer for uh, God's people in Ephesus, he again gives us a, a powerful visual of, of what he's talking about here. He says, uh, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which God has called you, the riches of God's glorious inheritance in the saints, and God's incomparably great power for us who believe, the power which he exerted in Christ when God raised Jesus from the dead and seated Jesus at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. 
That was at the beginning of the book uh, of the letter. And now again, Paul here is reminding us that this is the immensity of the power that is at work within us. As a congregation, as well as individuals. Paul wants us to pray to God for the church, knowing that God's limitless power is at work within us. But the purpose is the key. We pray for the church in order that we and more and more people might know and experience and praise God. Again, not us. The power to bring life, even life out of death, is at work within us in order that we and more and more people and all people might know and experience God and thank God to give God the glory for all good things. Paul puts it this way. To God be glory in the church and in, the Christ, in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. To God be the glory. Jesus says much the same thing in that gospel passage, but for those of us who, who are, are better able to understand things through uh, metaphor and through imagery, um, Jesus gives us, states things uh, very organically, and I mean the pun. Um, I am the vine and you are the branches, Jesus says. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Oh, that's earlier. Excuse me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you, a person, remains in me and I in them, then they will bear much fruit. Apart from me, separated from the vine, we, can, we can't do anything. If anyone does remain in me, uh, they are like a branch uh, or excuse me, if anyone does not remain in me, they're like a branch that's thrown away, withers, just used for fire. But if anyone remains in me and my words remain in them, ask whatever you wish. And again, not for our benefit, but for how it will bring others to know God. Ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, that you do all those wonderful things, that we are a part of doing those wonderful things that we just talked about, that we're so thankful for from God. It's to God's glory, Jesus says, that we bear much fruit, showing ourselves to be the disciples of Jesus. So we're encouraged to dream huge dreams for the church, to pray to God for those dreams to come true in order that all people might see and experience the glory of God. So as I said with the kids when they were here, uh, this Thursday is Thanksgiving here in the U.S. And though the story supporting the establishment of it as a holiday has proven a bit troublesome, the idea of a celebration to recount all that we have to be thankful for is still a good one. The general concept is still a fantastic one. In fact, it's very biblical. The Bible encourages us to be thankful frequently and regularly 
for all that God has done, especially. In the years that I have been a pastor here at Queen Anne, I have witnessed so much for which to be thankful. People loving one another across generations, across class, across ethnicity, people visiting the sick and the lonely in, their, in hospitals, in houses, in nursing homes, people making and delivering meals for those they know well and those they don't know at all. Um, examples of that, initiating and continuing for more than 25 years a lunch for senior citizens every Friday of the year, essentially, for over 25 years, initiating and participating in a program that provides meals for hungry children every weekend throughout the school year, delivering meals to shut-ins. We have also, I've seen us give shelter to those who have no homes, provide essentials of hygiene care for women who are in need. We've raised money for people in places far away and places right next door. And all of this as an expression of God's love. And I also know that in my 22 years plus here and in the decades before I was here, that within this congregation, people have heard about God in Jesus Christ and have experienced God in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit in ways that they have never experienced before. Some, I know, have even given their hearts to Christ for the very first time. We've welcomed infants to elders into God's family through baptism. We've nourished the spirits of sisters and brothers through the Lord's table. We've witnessed to the resurrection of the dead, to new life in the kingdom of God for those who have passed away. We have so much from God for which to be thankful for. The writers and the prophets of Scripture encourage us to give thanks to God for all that God has done both in order that it might give us strength for the present moment and also to inspire our imaginations for what the future holds. So I do have a dream that one day again, because it used to be this way, but one day again, these pews will be full of people Sunday after Sunday But it's not in order that I might be able to brag about what a great pastor I am or even brag about what a great congregation you are. The dream is is there in order that we might have a full sanctuary of voices to join with the voice of David in giving thanks to God, to give thanks to the Lord and call on God's holy name. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due God's name. Bring an offering and come before God. Worship the, God, worship the Lord in the splendor of God's holiness. Give thanks to the Lord, for God is good. God's love endures forever. Cry out 
Save us, O God, our Savior. Gather us and deliver us from the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name, that we may glory in your praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And then all the people here will say, Amen. Amen.